All right. Well, it is awesome to be home. Um, it's, it's been a long time uh, since I've stood at this spot, and it's pretty cool. In fact, I said in the first service, um, my heart was racing. And I like to preach, so it's not that. It's just being nervous being home. You know, I said to somebody in the lobby, I said, you know what's interesting? I almost feel like I did four tours of duty, and I've come home, and I don't even know what to say. And anyone who's ever served in the military, you know, when you come home, it's a little awkward. And I feel, feel that way, you know, coming home to this great church um, that we're so blessed to be a part of. My wife was a part of for 15 years, uh, her and her family. And uh, I came in and snatched her up quick and, um, and, uh, and was very blessed by that. But, I, you know, before I, I share God's word with you, because I want to preach today. Is that okay? Okay. Um, but I want to say thank you. Um, because there is no way, there's no possible way the point would be where it is today, the point church would be where it is today without Bethlehem Assembly of God. No way. And so I want to thank you very specifically for three things. The first thing I want to thank you for is belief. I remember when Pastor Steve and I chatted in the office building several years ago and we talked about the option or opportunity to plant a church. I remember something Pastor Steve said to me that I'll never forget. I believe that if there's anybody on this team currently that could plant a church, it is you. That is belief. You are very blessed by your pastor because he believes in those who he enlists on his team, including this church. He believes in you. Yeah. But then I remember when we announced June of 2007 that we were going to be leaving uh, this great church after an eight and a half year run um, to plant a church about 20 minutes away, how this church responded with belief, with prayer, the deep motivation. Um, we were sent out with a launch team from this house that helped us start that church. So we had belief, but we also had behavior. This church behaved like it believed in our church. I can't tell you how many times I heard we get a text or a tweet or a Facebook message saying, hey, Pastor mentioned your church today. We're praying for you guys. You know how much that means? I mean, that is irreplaceable belief and behavior. Because you can have belief in something, but belief isn't good enough. The behavior has to line up with the belief. I think Jesus taught that, didn't he? That it's both, it's not either or, it's both and. And so this church had belief and behavior. They sent us out with a team with great faith to believe that God could do something amazing on Long Island. And that belief and behavior is still continuing. Look at the belief and behavior that this church has for Freeport Campus. Right? That's a belief that God could do it. And that spawned off to us. We have that same compassion for Long Island in our church. So there was a belief and behavior DNA shift to the point that we also received the benefit of this great church. Now, awesome to know you support 85 missionaries. That's incredible. I don't know what it was when I was here. That's awesome. The point supports 27 missionaries. You have a stake and a share in what we do as a church. Your belief and your behavior also led to another thing I'm thankful for. Benjamins. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The Greenbacks. 
This church, I looked this week and I was shocked as to how much this church believes in, in the point. This church has given just over $112,000 to the Point Church. You ought to give yourselves a hand for that. So I bring greetings from a church that came out of belief and behavior and investment. And Pastor Steve, I publicly, in front of your church, your house, I want to say thank you. Thank you because you have exemplified that time and time again with the point. And I am honored to know that you are our biggest supporter as a church and that this house sent us out because it believed that we would succeed. We're not there yet, but we're still working on it. God's been doing some amazing things. In fact, I didn't say this in the first service um, because I want to preach. Um, but about a year ago, we were stuck in a movie theater. Many of you would know that, right? We were meeting in a movie theater for a while and three years at the time. And we were having a hard time with kids. I mean, there's not many churches you go and you get gum on your shoe and it smells like popcorn. You know, every Sunday. And that was us. And so we were... Um, we were saying, God, we need something different. Our kids, weren't, our kids' ministry was struggling because we had to take a theater and put pipe and drape all over and rearrange a movie theater without moving seats. That's pretty challenging. And so we're praying, God, send us something. And we got a call from a pastor uh, that was closing his church in Hicksville, which is just one town over from where we're at. He said, Pastor Todd, we're looking for a life-giving church to take over our building. We can't make it work, but maybe you could. And so we bought this million-dollar building for $225,000. That's the Lord. Now you all Long Islanders or even Queens people here today and you know 225 you can't even buy a house for that kind of money, right? You know, so we are very blessed and we think that's the favor of the Lord. That's the favor of the Lord and you, all of you, pastors, staff, this church, your shareholders, Every person that comes to faith in Christ at our church has been because of this church's investment. It's all of us as an orchestra working together to accomplish a great cause for God. So who's ready to hear God's word today? All right. We're going to talk about prayer. There's a novel idea in church, right? We're going to talk a little bit about prayer and what it means to be a dangerous church via prayer. How many of you literally want to be better at praying? Every single one of us want to get better at this gift that we have with us and the divine called prayer. Prayer is a lot more about God and a lot less about us. And I think we kind of convolute it from time to time and we switch it and we make prayer all about us. Me, 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 I, I. Have you ever fallen into that trap? I have. We're like, it's all, I, got, I need some more. It's like God's some genie in a bottle. You rub them the right way, say the right word, and you know, put those prayers together. You get whatever you want. Sometimes we treat them like that. But there's more. God is amazing. You see, I think it starts with a belief when it comes to prayer, not in our prayers, but in the God who answers our prayers. See, and if we believe in our verbiage, we're missing the boat. But when we believe in the God who gave us our voice, we understand that prayer has power because of the one who hears, not because of the one who speaks. So follow me on this for a moment. The human brain has one billion neurons. Just sounds like a lot, doesn't it? With over a trillion connections in it. 
And the brain has an estimated storage of one million gigabytes. One million gigabytes. Now, how many of you are having a hard time right now wrapping your mind around what one million gigabytes are? I am. And I'm speaking it, right? One million gigabytes is like your brain and your mind watching 300 years of television 24-7 recording every single thing that comes in. 300. Did anybody hear that? That should be like a, oh my. Can we try that? Oh my. That's kind of how it feels. When you hear that, 300 years TV running continuously. See, the truth is the cognitive abilities of the human brain are far beyond what we are experiencing or utilizing them for today. And God spoke that into existence with one word. Come on, church. That's the God we pray to. The God who created and formed your brain that intelligent. How about when you look up into the night sky and you see the stars. Now, a little hard at some spots spots of Long Island and Queens in the city because you got the city lights but if you shift upstate or a little further east you could see the stars how many of you love looking at the stars well the human eye if we could count the stars now it's too hard to keep control of them we could get about 2500 stars that are visible to the naked eye now if we're able to really look and put our mind around this you could see from any place on earth a total of 5,000 to 8,000 stars surround our planet. 5,000 to 8,000. But astronomers suggest that in the Milky Way alone, there are between 200 billion and 400 billion stars. And our God, you're going to get this, hung every single one in its place. That, my friend, is the God that you and I pray to. And what about the human head? There's a switch. The human head has between 100,000 and 150,000 strands of hair, some less than others. And yet God, in Luke chapter 12 verse 7, said, He has named every single hair on your head by counting it. That, my friend, is the God that you and I pray to. He is the God that spoke your life into existence. He is the God who hung the stars, all 400 billion of them, in their place, at least in, in this atmosphere. There's others out there. And He's the God who counted every single head, hair on your head. That is the God that you and I have the privilege of praying to. He has orchestrated our lives. You see, when God counts your hair, what He says is, I care about even the small details of your life. Even what other people don't see as important, God cares about. See, the God we pray to knows every detail of our lives because He made us. He created us and He formed us. And I think all too often when we come to God in prayer, we come to God with a question. Why would God? Why would God answer this prayer? Why would God respond to my need? Why would, why would, anybody ever been there? 
Because we think we're just too small, but every hair says it matters to him. I think we should come to God with a declarative statement. Why wouldn't God? Why wouldn't the God that formed our lives want to answer every single prayer that we have? So I want to build some framework for what we're going to talk about today. I believe that God has asked us to ask for more than what we currently ask of him today. Did you catch that? You see, I have this core conviction, and this is what has really revolutionized my prayer life, is I have a very big view of God. And I think so often, we limit our prayers because the size of our God is too small. But God has called us to ask for the bold, the miraculous, and sometimes seemingly insane things that may not make sense on the outside. And because we should have a huge view of God, that means we ought to be able to ask huge things of God. Now, small requests or prayers are not bad, but they're not going to make up a dangerous church. See, we've become masters at praying basic prayers. God, we just want to thank you for our food that you've provided. What about God? Thank you for your traveling mercies as you take me from hitherto and yonder. Lord, please, should I wear this tie for this interview today? I know that I won't get this job if I don't have the right tie on. Don't laugh. There are people that actually pray those kind of basic prayers. How about this basic prayer? Any students in the house? God, help me on my finals. I know I didn't spend one moment studying, but please help me on this final exam. Now, are those bad prayers? No. But they're basic prayers. And I think the dangerous church moves from praying basic prayers to praying bold prayers. And if this house wants to continue to be a dangerous house for God, then it has to become masters of bold prayers. See, I think if you stay, and that's the key, if you stay in basic or small prayers, it is because you have a small view of God. And so if your prayers are basic, my prayer for you today is that your view of God increases today. If your prayers are big, I pray that they'd even get bigger. Because as you grow in your faith, I think your prayers should get bolder. I think that we should pray more radical the longer we're in our faith journey with God. Luke one thirty seven says this, Nothing is impossible with Todd. No. It says nothing is impossible with God. That means God has no limits, church. There's nothing that can hold him back. And because of that, because God has no limits, I think we ought to pray with no limits. Because when we add limits, we are basically saying God is small. But I want to see a dangerous church that's praying big, bold prayers to a big, bold God. Let me give you a little background before we dive into our scripture today. King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem becomes upset when he sees how Joshua and the Israelites destroyed the city of Ai. Now Gibeon becomes allies with Joshua in Joshua 10:12, so they 
the impact of the army grows. So the king of Jerusalem enlists several Amorite kings to join him in order to stage an attack on the Israelites and the Gibeonites. And that's where we'll pick up the story in Joshua chapter 10 verse 6. I believe it's going to pop up on the screen. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp at Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once. Save us. Help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Don't be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand against you. Don't you love when God pre-promises a victory? And I think in our lives, God pre-promises a lot of victories that we don't claim the promises of God. And God in this story pre-promises Joshua a victory. How much um, conviction and passion and energy do you think Joshua had because he heard that? So I'm here to tell you today, God is pre-promising you something. And he's about to deliver. Verse 9, Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. Sometimes uh, you will have to push yourself into a position for victory. And that's what Joshua had to do. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Haran, killing them all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm. From heaven that continued until they reached Azekah, the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with a sword. I don't want you to miss something here. What's interesting in this story is the Israelites killed a lot of the enemy. But who killed more? God did. Proving once again that when we fall and hit our limits, God goes far beyond the limitations of our hearts, our abilities, our talents, our whatever. God goes beyond. Verse 12, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord. There's a leader that's saying, God, I need an answer. I'm going to pray. And he prayed this prayer, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. Did Joshua just pray for God to stop time? Yes, he did. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as a normal day. Listen to this verse. There has never been a day like this before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. What? Did you just read what I just read? That one prayer stopped time. That one prayer caused the sun to stand still. I mean, how crazy is that? What do you think was going through Joshua's mind at this moment? I mean, how many of you would think to yourself, you're going in, you know you're getting your annual review at work, and you're like, God, please stop time. I'm not ready. 
You're about to go into that final exam. Please learn to hold the sun in the sky. What possessed him to pray such a crazy prayer? I mean, Joshua had some boldness, didn't he? And a belief and a trust that God just could not, but that he would do the impossible. See, I want to be that kind of person, don't you? That believes that the God we pray to is the God who's able to do anything. That the God we seek and the prayers that we pray are not falling on deaf ears in the atmosphere somewhere. But the prayers that you and I pray with boldness and faith in a big God, God is responding to our needs. Here's what I think is the amazing thing about the story. And it's just one sentence, Joshua 10, 14. There has never been a day like this one before or since. Why? I was thinking to myself, why could it be that because no one has ever asked for such a request again? I mean, could it be that we really don't believe that God is the God of the impossible? That we mastered the art of basic prayers when God has called us to pray bold prayers that are going to change nations and cultures for His glory. Church, let's be the dangerous house that asks God to do the impossible because the impossible and the improbable is right up God's alley. It is what God does. Look at your past Look at where you once were. Did God take an impossible life, an impossible person, and change your life for His glory and your benefit? It's what God does. Mark Batterson said this, The greatest tragedy in life are the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. How many times we sit on our prayers afraid to ask of God. See, I want to pray unprecedented prayers. I want to pray prayers to see God do the miraculous and the impossible and the improbable in my life, our family, our church, this church, and the nation and beyond. But the greatest prayers for us and the church have yet to be prayed because I fear the church has become masters at the basic instead of the bold. And if this house wants to be the dangerous church it already is and continue to be, then it's got to master bold prayers for God. I guess the question has to be, is our God too safe? If our God is too safe, we will pray small, safe prayers. But if you believe like I believe, that God has no limits, that God can do anything, then we will pray bold prayers and become the dangerous church that God has called us to be. So let me give you a few guidelines to praying dangerous prayers. And the first is this, we have to reject fear. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Let me throw this at you. We can be crippled by the lack of asking. And what keeps you and I from asking God for the bold? It is fear. We are afraid sometimes that God may actually not answer our prayers. Has that kept anyone else but me from praying bold prayers? That is He really going to respond? And especially if you pray it publicly, 
and people hear you, it may come back to bite you one day. We fear that sometimes he won't respond the way we hoped or prayed he would. But I love this passage. And it's a simple declarative statement. You have not because you ask not. And I think we wonder sometimes we go through life afraid to ask. And we settle with what we have instead of asking God for the bold. Dangerous churches will ask God for anything because they know God loves them and wants to answer. Fear keeps us from asking. But no asking equals no answers. If we don't ask the question, we will not get the answers that we want. Your biggest hopes and dreams can be held hostage because of a fear of asking God. Let's ask God and leave the answers up to Him. Let's make our requests known to God and leave the responses up to Him. See, the last time I checked, I discovered two truths. The first is this, I'm not God, but I know there's one, and it's not me. So that means I'm going to do my job to ask, and I'm going to allow God to do His job and respond to His promises. So I am committing to letting go of fear as a pastor. To be able to see people healed and pray for miracles to be done among us. It was a few weeks ago in church, I gave a very simple invitation. If you need something in your body, would you just stand to your feet? And I'm just going to pray a prayer for you. Someone with acute, chronic back pain got healed in that moment because there was an opportunity for the bold to be revealed in someone's life. See, I want to be able to see that all the time, don't you? I want it to become the norm in my life. That what we ask for, we will see God respond to because He loves us. I'm going to ask and I'm going to trust God with the results. We've got to reject fear. And fear will keep us from asking and praying bold prayers. But I also think another lesson is we should ask God for what's humanly impossible. I mean, the truth is, if you and I can do it, there's no need to pray. I mean, it kind of seems so basic, doesn't it? But God's in charge of the impossible. I mean, would you agree that opening the eyes of the blind is humanly impossible. Now there's somebody I know, what was his name? He did this. Um, oh, you're going to get it. Jesus, right? Okay. How about raising the dead? Now I didn't see anybody try that at the funeral yesterday. But here, this person, what was his name again? Jesus. You're getting it now, good. Here's Jesus walks in, his friend Lazarus dead, and what does he say? Lazarus, get out. You don't belong in there. Humanly impossible? He did it. How about giving a paralyzed man back his mobility without the use of any extra equipment? Impossible. Who did it? Jesus, Jesus did it. Matthew 19, 26 says this, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God... Alright, some of you guys are going to get a little passionate before the end of the service, I promise you. But with God, all things, everything, is possible. And I think when we have this view that with God, all things...
things are possible. We can see the miraculous and the monumental take place in our lifetime. We don't have to read about it and we don't have to hope for it. We can achieve it right here and right now when we pray bold, radical, life-changing prayers to a God who loves us. said this in the first service. At the point, we don't practice popcorn clapping. So when one claps, we all clap. So we just had some popcorn going on. We used to do that in the movie theater, but now we got our own building. Can't do that. So one person jumps in, guess what you got to do, church? There you go. Good. You see, the truth is you and I can't do the impossible. He can. That's why we ask God to handle the impossible and improbable in our life. Because He's the only one who can. Fear is not the only thing that keeps us from praying bold prayers. I think what keeps us from being, praying bold prayers at times is we have a lack of belief in the God of the impossible. Pray some bold prayers. See, a lack of faith is really about us not putting full faith and trust in God. I want to challenge us today to launch such a new level of faith that we will trust in God and we will ask Him for anything and we will trust Him with the results. Sick in body in the house today? A dangerous church is going to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray until something takes place. Potential divorce? A dangerous church is going to stand by its people and pray and pray and pray and pray. You're going to get this before the end of the service. Jobless, moneyless, a dangerous church will seek God and pray through until there's a breakthrough. Whatever you're experiencing, maybe your children are disconnected from Jesus. A dangerous church will pray and pray and pray next guideline's huge I'm gonna hustle quick now I think we shouldn't pause we should pursue there will be times when you will get bogged down in your spiritual journey and feel like no longer moving forward and you feel like the best course of action is to pause your life a little over two years ago I hit a wall anybody ever hit one of those I was working out February 2nd, 2010 in my basement. All of a sudden the room's like, everything's going in circles, feeling nauseous. End up going upstairs, I couldn't get off the couch once I sat down. Thought I just need a little sugar in my system. Had to call 911. My wife, she was teaching here at Valley Stream Christian Academy at the time. She's already on her way. I got two kids at home. I'm freaking out. My heart is racing. My mind's, everything's, I couldn't get off the couch. It was a tough season. Within a week and a half, I had lost 20 pounds. Didn't know what was going on. It was eight months before I actually stood in the sacred desk and preached without feeling I was going to pass out. But I pushed myself. Pushed it. And it really hit this season where next thing you know, I'm at a restaurant with Mary and we're on a date weekend together. And I'm in the middle of the restaurant and next thing you know, I get that feeling again. Honey, we got to leave right now. 
anxiety kicked in like hyper. Anybody ever dealt with anxiety? I have mercy on anybody who's ever dealt with that. I mean, everything. I went to the bathroom, tried to, you know, figure out what was going on. I said, Mary, we got to go. The fish look good, but I got to get out of here. We walked out, went back to our hotel room. I went into the bathroom. I'm just crying out to God. And this had been three and a half months at that time of dealing with this every day of my life. And I said, I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And I did something that I don't think is actually theologically correct, but I did it anyway. I felt really good about it. Is I started to talk to the devil. Anybody ever did one of those? And I'm not sure if he hears me or not, but he was listening that day. And I told him, I'm sitting in the bathroom. I said, devil, I am just so ticked off at you. You are not going to take me down, and you are not going to take me out. And if you are, you're going to take me out doing what I love to do, and that's preach the gospel. And I made a commitment. Fast forward five months after that, I was still having all this anxiety. September of that year, uh, 2010, was the last time I had that in the pulpit. Because I decided I wasn't going to pause. I was going to push through. And some of you deal with that same thing I'm talking about today, and some deal with other things. Never pause. Trust God and push through until God answers what you're looking for. See, there are going to come times in your life when your prayers are unanswered. But I want to teach you something that changed my life. Think of it this way. They're unanswered yet. Add the Y-E-T to end of that statement. They're unanswered yet. Hebrews 10.39 says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who believe, and what does it say, church? And are saved. Don't pull back. Don't pause. Push hard toward the possibilities and the potential that God has in your life. Believe and you will see the hand of the Lord. What are you in need of today? Ask of Him. Pray bold. And watch what God does in your life. Last lesson today, very quickly. Every prayer stretches your faith capacity. Every prayer you pray is stretching your prayer journey. Every prayer you pray reveals that you believe that God is the answer to what you're asking for. I mean, when you're praying to God for a new job or a change of situation, you're basically saying, God, I can't do this. But you can. When you're asking Him who you will marry later on in life, you're asking Him because you know God is the only one who can provide that beautiful mate for your life. How about a friend who gets cancer? Who do we turn to in moments like that? We turn to God. And we pray to Him. Why? Because we know God has the answers more than doctors have the answers because He created our bodies. Every time you pray, you are stretching your capacity to believe that God will respond to your prayers. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus starts off with this statement, you don't have enough faith. That's pretty encouraging. But he gives the response to what I said earlier, that it's not about your prayers, it is about the God we pray to. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, mountain... I want you to move from here to here. Now Jesus was talking to a literal mountain. How many of you believe Jesus ever lied in his life? Never. And he said, you, if you had faith this small, you could move mountains. 
What mountains do you need moved in your life? What situations do you need God to alter in your season of life? Jesus is saying, build your faith. He said, you can move this mountain from here to here because nothing would be impossible. You may think your prayers are unanswered because you have low faith levels. It's not about your low faith level. It's about your view of God. And when you view God as the God of the impossible, He will speak into your situation. He will challenge the status quo. And He will adjust your life even but one degree. And one degree changed over the course of time changes your eternal destination and your prerogative with Him. Let us start believing that God can do the impossible and the improbable. But we will never see it unless we ask. Unless we have the courage to ask all the way back to the beginning of our story, Joshua. He asked for what no one else had ever asked for before. He asked for God to stop time. Can I inject some faith into your heart today? I want to inject something into your heart today and it's very simply this. You have not because you ask not. What do you need of God today? What do you need from the Lord today? Maybe it's a financial miracle, a relational miracle, an emotional miracle, a spiritual miracle, whatever it is. What do you need from God today? Some of you may have been asking for a very long time. I have this core principle, intercede until God intervenes. Never stop praying. Never give up because your prayers may not be answered yet. Today, I believe God is here. And I believe God wants to answer our prayers. Would you close your eyes this morning? Maybe you're here today and you feel disconnected from the Lord. Maybe you're in an estranged relationship with Jesus. You're not in a right relationship with God today. But today you want to connect your life to the God who hung every star in its place. To the God who formulated your life. To the God who counted every hair on your head. You want to reconnect or connect with your Savior today. The God who loved you enough to send His very best in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Todd? I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. But before I leave this house today, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am connected to the God who loves me so deeply that He's willing to let me ask for anything. You're here today in the house and you say, you know what? I need Jesus today in my life. I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. Would you put your hand up right now? We want to pray for you. Go ahead and put it up. Yes, thank you for that hand. Yes, thank you for that hand. Keep those. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for that hand. In the corner. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the balcony. I see that hand. Yes. Yes, in the back. See those young children over there. Love it. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Church, can we applaud God's move today? Can we just applaud God today? If you prayed that prayer today, or if you raised your hand today, we're going to pray a prayer in a moment. And I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. I'm going to ask you to come and meet us at the front on your right-hand side. And there's going to be some prayer workers that are going to meet you in just a minute. But if you raised your hand, do not let fear keep you from one of the greatest steps of your spiritual life, connecting with the God who created you. And we're going to come back to you in a minute. But maybe you're here today. And your faith in prayer has been a little weak. Maybe you're having a hard time believing again. 
Maybe you've been serving a long time. Maybe you've been praying for something. It just seems like it never, the answer never came. We want to stand with you today. And we want you to believe that this dangerous house is going to intercede until God intervenes. That we at this place, that your pastors and leaders are going to ask God for what's humanly impossible for your benefit and God's glory. So you say, you know what, Todd, I've been praying for something or I got something I'm dealing with right now that I need an answer from. Would you stand to your feet right now? Go ahead. You need God to intervene. Go ahead, stand to your feet all over this place, just in the balcony, in the Connections Cafe. Just stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. You're praying and believing that God would do it in your life. Man, would you just reach your hands toward heaven right now? If you're standing, even sitting, if you don't have the ability, would you just reach your hands toward heaven right now? God, today, we pray right now, God, that this God who is the master of the impossible and the improbable, God, that you would reach your hand down right now through time and space and you would touch every single heart right now that is standing saying, God, we need you. God, you have the last word on sickness. You have the last word on relational dysfunction. You have the last word on financial problems. God, you have the last word. So speak your last word right now. Break silence in people's hearts right now that have been praying and praying and praying and waiting on you, oh God. Teach us, Lord, to pray and to never, ever give up. Thank you, Jesus. Would you in your own words, whatever you're praying for, just ask him right now. God, please just fill in your own blank this morning whatever it is just ask him whatever you need that hand and say, I need to connect to God. I'm going to ask you to do that bold thing. I want you to come out to my left, your right. And I want you to meet this prayer team that has been praying for you for this moment. Come on, go ahead. Just, just takes one to get started. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you starting. Go ahead. Just walk out of your seat right now and meet that team all the way to the right side. Church, we ought to start getting ecstatic. We ought to start getting happy in the house. church right here is the God of the impossible and improbable working right before your eyes how many of you remember what you once were before Jesus
Did it take a miracle of God to change your life? He's doing it right before your eyes, guys. He's doing it right here and right now. If God can change the human heart, He can change the human condition. Lord Jesus, today we thank you for the privilege we have to seek your heart, to know you, God. So Lord, today I love this church and I pray that Bethlehem Assembly of God would experience its greater days as they make themselves a dangerous church that believes that they can ask you, God, for the impossible and the improbable. So God, pour out your spirit on this church. Pour out your spirit on Pastor Steve and the entire staff here. We pray they continue to be as they are, dangerous for your kingdom. And God, we pray that this house would be what you have titled it.